Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the Raiders didn't get who's best in 2022? We'll talk about that plus a whole lot more coming up on Friday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for June 16th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You ought to win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. And welcome in, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it becomes available. And of course, if you are checking us out on YouTube, we definitely appreciate you. We appreciate my man Ari. He does a great job each and every day making sure we're up on YouTube. He does a fine job. You want to hit him up on Twitter, you could do that at Ari Produces. You can give him a comment. You can give him a follow. Whatever the case may be, it is all good. And of course, you can always hit me up on Twitter as well, at your boy Q254. And if you want to get a comment on the show, either call or a text. You can do that with the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. It's always wide open like some old school TV antennas. As a matter of fact, we'll have your calls and texts coming up in segment number three of today's show. Segment number two, we'll talk about the player who did not give his best to the Raiders in 2022. His words, not mine. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day. And before we get to that, though, I do want to tell you today's edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown NFL and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. We'll tell you a lot more about Bird Dogs following segment number one, but let's go ahead and jump into the news and notes of the day. And not a whole lot to get to, right? It's June 16th. We know that. Uh, as I expected, the Raiders called off their final OTA session on Thursday the 15th. That was something that I expected was going to happen, something that we pretty much knew, especially when they made the assistant coaches available earlier in the week. Just kind of felt like, all right, that 15th, that Thursday is not going to happen. It didn't. So now they're done. Done deal records. Finito. Finished. Nada. Nothing else, right? For about six weeks. And then training camp gets started. And we don't have our training camp schedule yet. We don't know the exact dates when we're going to be able to be out there for the first day. And for the most part, we'll be out there all the time. But we'll have a certain schedule with who's going to talk, when they're going to talk, if there's media availability. We'll get that sooner rather than later. That'll probably come, I don't know, maybe mid-July. We'll get that schedule. And, of course, as soon as we do, I'll bring it here to you on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. But, yeah, camp is done. The Raiders roster is sitting there at 91, guys. The only player that is not signed from their rookie class right now is fourth-round pick, Jacob. Dorian Bennett, of course, uh, Michael Mayer, the tight end, he signed his his uh, rookie deal on Wednesday. So everyone is signed but Jacorian Bennett. So I'm sure at some point between now and training camp, he'll definitely get that uh, that deal signed. And so they'll be ready to go for training camp. But again, we don't have those exact dates yet. As soon as we do get them, we'll definitely bring it to the table. Uh, also on Thursday, the Raiders tweeted out a question and answer from the Raiders roundtable. That was when me, JT, and uh, and Eric Allen, we had that three and a half hour show. I've brought some of the sound to the to the podcast, like Andre James, and uh, I think Jacoby Myers was part of that, and Marcus Epps was another guy we talked to. We talked to GM Dave Ziegler, talked to Max Crosby as well. And Really good conversation, probably about almost 18 minutes with Max Crosby. But I was really surprised on Thursday when the Raiders tweeted out a question that I asked Max, and it was uh, it was featured, like I said, on their Twitter account. So I got a lot of traction on Thursday, and it was really cool to see from my point of view. I mean, I'm a I'm a dude that grew up a Raider fan, right? And, and so to be in the position that I'm in right now, and to be able to cover my favorite team uh, like I do, and to be at the facility and be able to be a part of the roundtable, and then all of a sudden they feature my question. I thought it was really cool, and it's kind of fitting 
thinking that, you know, this weekend is Father's Day, and definitely shout out to all the fathers out there. It was really cool uh, when when they tweeted it out. Apparently, they didn't only tweet it out, but apparently it hit their Instagram as well because Little Q hit me up and said, dang, I just saw your uh, interview with Max Crosby on Instagram. That's awesome. Like, you know, you're the GOAT. <laughs> My son called me the GOAT. Like, that's that's a win right there, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. Anything else I do from here on out doesn't matter because he said, oh, you're the GOAT. And so, uh, obviously, he was pretty proud to see that, and he reached out to me to let me know uh, that he saw it. So I thought that that was really cool. But here it is. It's less than two minutes long, but here was my question from Raiders Roundtable. Again, it's up on their YouTube page. It's three and a half hours long. If you haven't checked it out, really good content. It was from Raiders Content Day, and it was me, JT, and Eric Allen. But this was specifically my question to Max Crosby just about continuing to grind and continuing to get better. Here it is. Check it out. What do you use to keep pushing yourself? Because you know where you're at, but you always have told me, I want to be better. I want to be better. I'm working on my craft. Yeah, honestly, like I'm so far from where I want to be. Um, not only, you know, from a personal standpoint, but as, as an organization, I want to win. Um, that's the number one thing. Um, I put, I, I literally start from in January and I don't stop <laughs> until January. And like, I want to be playing in February. I want to yeah. be playing in the biggest games. I want to be on TV. I want everyone to see the work I'm putting in and see what this team is doing. And, um, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. And, you know, obviously, you know, the money and all that's cool, but like, that's not why I started playing football. I started playing in second grade. I've been playing my whole life. This is what I've, I, I want to do. This is my legacy. I feel like God put me on earth to play football and be an example um, of overcoming adversity. And like, I really true, I, I truly believe like, this is just the beginning for me. I feel like I'm going to take a whole nother step this year. And in these next five to seven years, I'm really going to be entering my prime and being the best version of myself. And that's why I take it so serious. That's why I talk about my craft and my work ethic. And I really talk about it because I take it so serious and I do it on a daily basis. And that's all I know. And yeah, um, yeah. I really want to maximize my career at the highest level. And that's why I put so much into it. And um, you know, I feel like, you know, my legacy at the end of the day is, is the most important thing. What I what I leave, um, you know, when I'm done is is everything. So there you go. I thought that was pretty cool. And again, if you haven't seen the Raiders Roundtable pay, uh, that, that, that content day, like I said, three and a half hours long, you can check it out. A lot of good stuff. Dave Ziegler, Max Crosby, Brian Hoyer, Marcus Epps, uh, um, Andre James. Uh, who else did we talk to that day? Uh, man, we talk, who else we talked to? There was a couple other people that we talked. Oh, uh, Jacoby Myers already mentioned him. Yeah, it was like seven or eight people that we talked to. It was so many, but it was it was some really good stuff. And then, of course, uh, being able to chop it up with Eric Allen and JT was also really cool. So again, if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out. Uh, finally, here in segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, the inevitable is happening. Something that I've been saying for the longest. I'll believe it when I see it. Well. I, I basically might as well believe it now because I'm seeing it, and that is the fact that the A's are right now currently 99.9% headed to Vegas. Uh, there was a statement that came out on Thursday, and I didn't get a chance to get to it. No, it came out on Wednesday. Excuse me. I didn't get a chance to get to it on Thursday's podcast about SB1 passing. The A's put out a statement on the passing of SB1, the Nevada State Legislator, and this again was from Wednesday night. They said, tonight we thank the members of the Nevada State Legislator and their staff for their hard work, due diligence, and attention to details. We work to bring the athletics to Las Vegas. We're especially grateful for the legislator's uh, time and dedication to shepherding this bill through the process, including the special session. We look forward to Governor Lombardo's signature as our next step. That was Wednesday. 
Well, on Thursday, it didn't take no no time for that to get uh, get done. Governor Joe Lombardo signed off on the on the deal, and then uh, and then the statement came out today as a significant step forward uh, in securing a new home for the athletics. We thank uh, Nevada Governor Lombardo, legislative leaders, and Clark County commissioners and staff for their hard work, support, and partnership. We will now begin the process with Major League Baseball to apply for re- relocation to Las Vegas. We're excited about Southern Nevada's dynamic and vibrant professional sports scene. We look forward to becoming a value community member through jobs, economic development, and the quality of life and civic pride of a major league baseball team. Again, that's from the Oakland A's. So all they need now is for the owners to approve the move. And that's just about a done deal. It's basically rubber stamping the whole situation. But, you know, again, I've, I've let it be known how I feel about this situation. Even as an A's fan, I can't stand the ownership. I think everything that they've done to the fans, the true fans there in Oakland that love the, the team and come out, as you saw the other day when they had the reverse boycott and they had over 27,000 people there at the Coliseum, the fans are there. It's just that the, the ownership is piss poor. And the way they treat the fans and the way that they don't even put a effort to putting a winning product on the field sucks. It really does. And now all of a sudden, you know, they what, won seven games in a row. I know they lost the other day, but still, they put out a product showing that they can win. It's like, hey, we're on our way to Vegas. Let's start winning. I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, you know, the path that they're taking to get to Vegas is totally different than the path that the Raiders took to get to Vegas. And, you know, the fact that they squatted on the Coliseum and wouldn't even negotiate and work with the Raiders. And look, in all honesty, right now, There should be a brand-new Coliseum for the A's to play in. There should be a brand-new stadium for the Raiders playing in. And there should be a brand-new arena for the Warriors to be playing in, all right there on the Coliseum grounds, because that was actually possible. That could have been done, but the A's squatted on the property, right? They, they threw the pipe dream out there to go to Fremont. They put the pipe dream out there to go to San Jose. They put the Howard Terminal out there. They're going to rebuild on the Coliseum. They're going to go to Sacramento. I mean, they've done all these different things, and now, finally, they decided to uh, you know, settle on Vegas after they see how much value the Raiders organization has, has uh, you know, how much more they've gone up in value since they've been in Vegas and everything that's been happening in Vegas and the success of the Golden Knights and the Aces, and now it's like, oh, hey, yeah, we want to be a part of that as well. I hate it. I hate the path that they got or they took to get to Vegas, but that's what it is. So uh, sooner rather than later, the A's will start their move and their quest to Las Vegas. And, you know, there's going to be fans that embrace them. And look, again, I'm an A's fan. I, I, I don't mind the team, the players. This is not their fault. This is ownership's fault. It's piss poor. I hope at the very end of the day, what they do is they come to Vegas, they create some value for the team, and Fisher sells it. That's what I hope. And and then finally, someone could put a real product on the field or put a real dedication to a real good product on the field. But if it's if it's business as usual and the way the Fisher has ran it since he's owned the team, I I don't want anything to do with it. Tampa Bay. Take the Tampa Bay Rays, for example. They're a small market team that don't operate like a small market team because they go out and win. (laughs) Right. They're a really good team. One of the best teams in baseball. The A's could easily do that, too. They just choose not to. So. Anyway, I wanted to give up a little update on the A's and their trip to uh, Las Vegas and the fact that the inevitable is definitely happening. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, kind of news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, what players said the Raiders didn't get my best last season? We'll talk about that after I tell you about the title sponsor of the show, which is Bird Dogs. And Bird Dogs, well, they just make you look good. Bird Dog's stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. So when I go to Hawaii next week on vacation, I need to put some Bird Dogs on so I can look sculpted. I can walk down the beach and look like a sculpted stud, right? A Greek god. Nah, 
They ain't going to make me look like all that. But <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. They give you the opportunity. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing uh, as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink, sweat, wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. All you got to do is check them out. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. Your locked on Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's locked on Raiders podcast. Raiders didn't get my best last season. Who said that? That would be one former Raider quarterback, Derek Carr. That's right, Derek Carr. And I'm not a guy who brings Derek Carr's name up on the show. I don't try to bring him in and try to drag him through the mud and say he's this, that, and the other. I I mean, at this point in the the game, right, it's mid-June. Derek Carr is a saint. The Raiders have Jimmy G, and they've got to move forward with him. Aiden O'Connell is is the third-string quarterback. Brian Hoyer is the backup. So I don't typically just bring up Derek Carr. But as I was preparing for my radio show on Thursday on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, I saw this article kind of come across my timeline on Twitter in the RJ, in the Las Vegas Review Journal, about Derek Carr. And at first I let it slide by me. And I said, you know what, let me just go ahead and, and, and click on it and see what it's talking about. And, well, it got my attention because it says, Derek Carr says the Raiders didn't get my best last season. Again, this is his words. Not mine. And so I went through this article and I read it, right? And it's funny because when I saw the headlines, I thought, okay, well, that's typical. Derek Carr always says, it's on me. It's on me. Blame it on me. I, I, I'm responsible. I'm the quarterback. It's all on me. You know, I mean, we've gone through the song and dance when it comes to Derek Carr. We've done that for, what, nine years. So I already know typically what he says. But at the same time, I thought it was responsible for me to go ahead and read the article. So I did. And a couple of things stood out to me. Not the whole thing. But a couple things stood out to me and just made me say, hmm, and made me feel like I got a little bit of clarity on what could have happened, at least with him, in 2022. And let me say this, before I go any further, let me be 100% clear, crystal clear. There's a lot of times people get things twisted up. They, they think that I'm saying one thing or I mean another. Let me make this perfectly clear right now so nobody can get this twisted. I am not blaming Derek Carr for a 6-11 and record. I'm not saying that the reason that the Raiders were 6-11 and was on DC4. I'm not saying that. I think there's plenty of blame to go around the whole organization, from Derek to the coaches, offensively, defensively, head coach, right, front office. There's a lot of blame to go around all, uh, you know, all around the team. The defense, the offense, the offensive line. I mean, there's again, there's plenty of blame. When you go 6-11, and it's not just on the shoulders of one person. It's not. So let me get that out of the way and let it be perfectly clear. I'm not blaming Derek Carr for the lack of wins in 2022. But again, his words, not mine, that the Raiders did not get his best last season. So a couple things stood out to me. This is how these little, you know, these little segments go. They just didn't get my best and that drove me crazy at the end of the year because I felt so spread out in so many different ways. I just didn't feel like myself. I feel bad for the Raiders' coaches and players. All right, let's pause right there. He feels bad for the coaches and players. Now, I understand if he didn't get along with Josh McDaniels. 
I understand if he didn't get along with the coaching staff in general. It's a new staff, another new staff that he's had to deal with. He's gone through a lot of coaches. He's gone through a lot of coordinators. I expect it, and you can go back, and the, the, the tape is there. You can go back on podcasts way before the season started, and I said I thought Derek Carr was going to take a step back. He did it consistently every time he got a new staff, a new coordinator. Again, as many coaches as he had, as many coordinators as he's had, it's expected that he's going to take a step back. And he did. He passed for 3,544 yards, 24 touchdowns, but he also had 14 interceptions and a boatload of, in, uh, of fumbles, right? And so he had been on a little bit of a tear, man. He had had four seasons in a row, 4,000-plus yards from 2018 through 2021. So he was doing really well and then all of a sudden regressed to 3,544 yards, 24 TDs, but 14 INTs, including three in week one against the Chargers. So... The fact that he said that he felt bad for the coaches, that's one thing. But the fact that he said he felt bad for the players kind of made me scratch my head. Because I'm thinking, dang, the players, you should, at the end of the day, and I know people have things going on, but the players shouldn't feel bad for the players because you should be out there giving your all to them no matter what. Even if you're not understanding, not even if you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to you know, figure out what the new coach wants, whatever. But when you're out there with your brothers, man, I mean, it's, 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 it's all go. Right. And, and he's a guy that, you know, had a lot of respect in the locker room. Obviously, you know, Devontae Adams is really good friend from from college. Obviously got a lot of respect from D.C. That was that was Devontae's words. Right. You know, Derek's a, a best friend to him. So there's that. But this article goes on to say cars regression in 2022 wasn't a matter of effort or desire. So he wanted to do well. He tried to do well. He said rather it came down to his approach to a mix of professional and personal challenges, which he regrets but from which he's also grown. So a couple things there, right? A mix of professional and personal challenges. So he had things going on off the field and on the field. And look, if anyone knows about stuff going on in personal life, and and like I say all the time, life matters and life happens, I'm okay with that. So I don't, again, blame DC for having issues going on off the field. If you go on and read the article a little bit more, it talks about he didn't like the way that John Gruden, you know, left the the organization and had to resign and, and the circumstances which that happened. But again, it's a business and he has to understand it. I know that he was with Gruden for the longest. He was close with Gruden, but still he's got to understand that it's a business. So I'm assuming that, you know, that may had a little bit to do with the, the stuff going on off the field. But at the same time, I can't feel like that. That's everything. And then also earlier in what I read, uh, I felt so spread out in so many different ways. Now, as a guy that has about a thousand jobs at this point, I understand what it means to say I felt so spread out because you wear yourself thin, right? Doing the radio show, doing the podcast, uh, going to do the Raiders roundtable. I'm going to cover this game. I'm going out of town to do this. You know what I mean? Like, I get it, right? If anyone understands being spread thin, it's me, right? And so, again, not trying to blame him for all the failures, but to me, when I start reading those few little you know, sections of this, this article that was in the RJ, a lot of things start to make sense. You know, the overthrows on the sidelines to Devontae that didn't have a chance where Devontae didn't even jump, right? Not crossing midfield till like the fourth quarter of a game against the Saints, right? Three interceptions in week one against the Chargers. Some of the, you know, just bad passes that he made, you know, that just didn't have a chance, again, to a guy like Devontae, Missing guys, you know, kind of wide open. So, sometimes just looking like a deer in the headlights. And again, not all on him. I think Devontae and especially like guys like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro who weren't there all the time. Devontae was there all season, but Darren was injured. Hunter was injured. Those are kind of his security blankets. They weren't there. So I feel like he was dealing with that. I think he was probably dealing with Darren Waller not being out there. And if he was really injured or if it was a contract thing or what the situation, you know, those rumors came up. So I'm sure there was a lot going on in his head. 
But it gave me a little bit of clarity when I read this and realized that as many people want to point the finger at head coach Joshua Daniels and say it's all on him, and, and I've said it multiple times that I don't feel like it was all on him or it was all on Patrick Graham and the defense, I feel like it was a collective. And by Derek Carr, in his words, not mine, saying that the Raiders did not get his best in 2022, lets you know that there is some blame to point his way too. Again, it's a collective. It's never going to be just one guy's fault. There's no way, not in a sport like, like football, you can just blame one guy for the failures of a team. So, okay, it gives a little bit more understanding. And I talked about it on my radio show on Thursday, and a lot of people hit me up and said, you know what? It gives a little more validity and understanding to the reason why the Raiders coaching staff and the Raiders, the Raiders front office were comfortable with moving on from Derek. Right, Because they saw that either he wasn't getting it, he was spread too thin, uh, he had some stuff going on in his personal life that, uh, that maybe they didn't think he was going to recover from, so it was time for a fresh start. So I think, it's, I think it should be a little bit more comforting to those that are upset and angry and think that, oh, head coach Josh McDaniel just ran him out of town. I think that this kind of lets you know that he needed to get out of town. He needed to have that break. The Raiders needed to have that break. And the front office and, and the coaching staff decided – they're going to make that happen, you know? So I just thought that that was something. And I, I'll throw it out there to you. 707-654-4693. That's the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. Your calls and texts are coming up in segment number three. But when you read that article, and again, you can read it in the RJ, Derek Carr says Raiders didn't get my best last season. Does that do anything for you? Does that make, maybe make you change your feelings on the season a little bit and stop maybe thinking that it's all one guy's fault and now realize that, you know what, there was a lot of blame to go around for the Raiders' failures in 2022. And maybe, you know what, 2023 won't be quite as bad as a lot of people anticipate because now they've got everyone, they think they've got everyone who's all on the same page. I think there's a lot to think about there, a lot to unpack. Again, you can read the article. Derek Carr says, Raiders didn't get my best last season. A couple quick notes from it. They just didn't get my best, and that drove me crazy at the end of the year because I felt so spread out in so many different ways. I just didn't feel like myself, and I feel bad for the Raiders' coaches and players. Carr described his regression in 2022 as not a matter of effort or desire. Rather, it came down to his approach to mix of professional and personal challenges, which he regrets, but from which he also has grown. So there's that. Segment number three, your calls and texts is coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text. You're that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with a call from Raider Loke. What is he calling about? Well, to talk about the article in the Review Journal about D.C. and not giving him the best and not giving his best to the Raiders coaches and players in 2022. Here's Raider Loke. What is up, Q and the rest of Raider Nation? This is Raider Loke from the 626. Hey, so, Q, so it's uh, Thursday afternoon, and I was just scrolling through Twitter, and I just happened to a tweet, an article by the Review Journal where it's titled as Saints quarterback D.C. apologetically said he failed to give the Las Vegas Raiders the best version of himself. And it's kind of, uh, to me, when I started reading the article, it just, I'll just be honest, it, it, if I was Devontae Adams, I'd probably be pissed reading this because we all know the story. A lot of fans think that Derek Carr is the reason why Devontae, why Devontae Adams came to the Raiders. Well, if that's the case, then how come Derek Carr didn't give his best friend the best version of himself. And as, you know, like, so 
And like, and I, and as I continue reading the article, it looks like he wasn't okay with 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 uh, with the John Gruden resigning, and that that took a toll on him. And I understand that he had his best years with them. So, and there was also, you know, speculation that he couldn't handle uh, Josh McDaniels' tough constructive criticism, and it's probably because he got too complacent with Gruden's scheme. So, anyway, so I I'm not sure how to feel about this, but. I kind of feel a little bit ticked off knowing that Derek Carr let his I, – I know we all deal with, you know, personal issues. You know, it's mental health. It's a man's mental health uh, uh, wellness month. And um, it's just you got a job to do. And at the end of the day, it looks like he let his uh, constructive criticism from Josh McDaniels get to him on a personal level where we all know that we can all strive with some constructive criticism. And to me, it looks like he just got complacent. It looks like he was striving under Gruden. And he just was sad to see him go and McDaniels coming in and new coaching and blah, blah, blah. It just looks like he just wasn't in it. And he even said himself, Carr's self-described regression in 2022 wasn't a matter of effort or desire, he said. Rather, it came down to his approach to a mix of professional and personal challenges, which he regrets, but from which he also grew. So, I mean, it really sucks for Devontae Adams. He came to the Raiders to play with his best friend, to possibly win a Lombardi and just for Derek Carr to kind of let his personal issues get on the field, it just, I mean, I don't know, you know what to say, but I'm pretty sure you're going to speak on this and probably in the pod tomorrow, so I just wanted to bring it up to your attention. So pretty much all I got. Uh, let me know which, what, what's your take on that, Key, what you think of this article, and uh, this is Raider Loke, and I'm out. Raider Loke, thanks so much for the call. Yeah, like I said in segment number two, man, it was kind of eye-opening. At the end of the day, I feel like it explained a lot. It brought some clarity to the season. But, again, not putting all the blame on him because there's plenty of blame to go around, but still has a little bit of explanation and a little validity to why the Raiders felt comfortable with moving on from him. So thanks so much for that. Again, I do appreciate you. Up next, got a tweet from Raider5150. You can check him out on Twitter, at Raider850. He said, Q, here's my Mount Rushmore. Stabler, Branch, Howie, and Guy. Raider fan going on 51 years. That's from Raider5150 on Twitter at Raider850. And thanks for that so much. I do appreciate you. And that's a hell of a Mount Rushmore, right? And that's the thing about the Raiders. You have, uh, you know, you, you could put out four and you could be right, right? I mean, there's, there's no argument. I can't argue against Stabler, Branch, Howie, and Guy. Are you kidding me? And that's the greatness of the Raiders. You know, all those Hall of Famers that they have, all those great players. I mean, hell, with, uh, you know, Cliff Branch, he barely got into the Hall. You know, you could put Lester Hayes up there. He's not even in the Hall. But there's so many great players that have come through the organization of the Silver and Black. There's, there's no doubt that it doesn't matter what four you put up there, you're going to be right. So that's a really good one. Uh, 5150, thanks so much for that tweet. I appreciate you. Uh, up next, got a call from Army Raider. He's calling to talk about the scoring drop-off year after year. He also talks about the Raiders joining the Aces and the Vegas Golden Knights as champions. Here he is, Army Raider. Hey, cute, your boy, Army Raider. Um, you said something when you were answering questions yesterday. and It's something I'd seen and kind of wanted to say that, you know, the Raiders drop off pretty drastically with their scoring both seasons. And last season, one thing I noticed is that McDaniels is a pretty, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a pretty um, predictable play caller. So the longer the season goes when he stays predictable, it gives teams just a lot more tape on him so they know what's coming in what situation, what he likes to run here, what he likes to run there. And the other teams are able to slow down the scoring. 
Um, on the Raiders joining the Aces and Vegas Knights, I'm Trey, as a lifelong Raiders fan, uh, who remembers the glory years vividly. Uh, I just don't see it, man. I, I, I'd honestly say that either the Aces or Knights win another title before the Raiders even make the Super Bowl, or even poised to make the Super Bowl. If we're being honest, we, uh, we're, we're worse off than when we first got to Vegas. And I know we made the Devontae trade and that was the one big move, but other than that, we're kind of bargain shopping and basement shopping for everything. So that's just my view on it. Anyways, love to hear what you think on the predictability and play calling and on the Raider out. Thank you so much for the call, my man. Totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm hoping, I've mentioned it before, I'm hoping the Raiders could take something away from both the Aces and the Golden Knights and apply it to what they do. Of course, we'll see. Six weeks from now, training camp gets started. That's when the, the championship run starts, right? I mean, you, you do what you do in the regular season is going to be what you do in practice. As, it's just as, as simple as it gets. So training camp starts in six weeks. That's when they start their quest to being champions. Of course, the OTAs and mandatory minicamp, they've already got that started and just got that wrapped up. But, you know, when training camp comes, that's when it goes full throttle. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions when it comes to play calling being predictable you know especially after talking about Derek Carr segment number two and what he said again his words not mine about not getting the best out of him in 2022 kind of makes me understand why why the playbook was limited and maybe why so calls were so predictable because Josh McDaniels didn't feel comfortable with uh, opening up the playbook especially when he didn't feel like Derek Carr was understanding at least what he was trying to do at that point so it's 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 something Right, it's something to to think about, and and you don't want the the plays to be so predictable. We've talked about that for years. That goes back to Gruden. You know, he gets into a little groove, and look, play callers are play callers. They're gonna always kind of go back to what they know. So, I mean, at some point, uh, the more you watch a game, the more you watch a certain team specifically, you're gonna understand what they do. But at some point, he's got to open up that playbook, like you said, to keep that scoring up. Thank you, Army Raider, for that. I do appreciate you. Just got time for a couple more. How about a text from Silver and Black eighty six? He said, "What up, Q?" Silver and Black 86, appreciate everything you do. So now, that the, now, so now that Las Vegas seems to be having a winning culture out there with the Aces and now the Knights, you think McDaniels' seat is warm enough to bring some kind of winning culture to this organization? Thanks, Q. Let's go, Raiders. That's Silver and Black 86. And I don't know. I was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on, what was it, Wednesday night? Wednesday night, and we talked about coaches on the hot seat. And I said that Josh McDaniels is not on the hot seat. He's at around a, a two. And, and that's it. It was, a, it was best out of five. And I said, yeah, he's at a two at best. Mark, Daniel, or Mark Davis, excuse me, is very, you know, understanding with trying to build this team up, knowing that he has to, you know, sustain some coaches in, in front office. And you can't just keep recycling those guys, in, you know, in and out, in and out, in and out. You can't do that. But now if they take a massive step back in 2023, then, yeah, you know, the, the heat is on. But I do think that, you know, the players around town, seeing the Golden Knights do what they do and the Aces do what they did, winning championships, I think that they're, you know, like, hey, I want a piece of that too. That looks fun. Let's do this. So it, it probably lights a little bit of an extra fire under the players, and I'm sure it does fire up the coaches a little bit. I mean, Coach McDaniels has talked about the Golden Knights multiple times at media sessions, like just showing them love and them going out to the games and observing. So they've got to be able to take something away from that. I think there's something to it. So thanks for that text. I do appreciate you. Up next, I got a call from the 916, and I couldn't really make out his name, but it came from the 916, Sacramento, California. He's calling to talk about quarterback injuries and ask a question about a quarterback bullpen. Here it is, a call from the 916. Hey, it's uh, Slot Sledu out of uh, 916. Um, you know, with all the talk about uh, Jimmy G's injury and you know everything regarding the uh, quarterback 
uh, situation. Um, I want to get your opinion on why the NFL doesn't have a bullpen. You know, like why the NFL sticks with one single quarterback and if they get injured, pretty much your entire season is ruined, as opposed to having, like, you know, uh, kind of spreading it out and everything. I mean, they could uh, raise the salary cap a little bit, raise the, um, you know, uh, uh, the, um, the, uh, the player limit and everything, um, just to add a couple quarterbacks, you know, even to have different quarterbacks for different situations and everything, and also to take the pressure off of, uh, you know, and just take the hit rate off of a couple quarterbacks and everything. I mean, imagine what uh, Miami could do if uh, Tua wasn't getting hit every single play, you know? Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, um, Oakland could, or, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas to do uh, the same thing with uh, having Jimmy, um, you know, as, say, the starting pitcher as opposed to having a a relief pitcher or a closing pitcher. You know, even having uh, different quarterbacks of uh, different speeds, different philosophies, uh, different, um, you know, different talents and everything. I'm not sure why the NFL doesn't do it like that. Um, If you have anything to illuminate me like why why the NFL doesn't do that um, I, I I'd appreciate it it doesn't make sense to me thanks thanks so much for the call my man appreciate you sorry I couldn't make out your name is a little muffled there on the on the on the voicemail but uh the NFL is so much different than baseball I know it sounds good it was similar to even when last season we were talking about rotating offensive linemen I was like man you just can't do that Right. And even the Raiders who tried to do that, actually, in the first few weeks of the season, realize you can't you can't do that. You can't rotate offensive linemen. They've got to be a cohesive unit. You can't just rotate quarterbacks in and out or have three quarterbacks playing a game, you know, a starter, a middle reliever and a closer. You just can't do that. They've got to get in rhythm. They've got to get comfortable with their with their players, uh, their weapons out there. You know, they've got to get reps in practice. I mean, it just it sounds good. But baseball's so different. There's so many great pitchers and the NFL doesn't have so many great quarterbacks. Right, that kind of goes back to the quarterbacks in in college when you have multiple quarterbacks and you'll have a coach that has a a, a two quarterback system. And what do they always say? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Right, so that's that's the reality of it. So I know it sounds good in in theory and on paper to avoid injuries. Of course, that's always what you want to do. But in reality, that's just, in my opinion, it's just not going to happen. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Next time you hit us up, uh, yeah, let me know your name again so I make sure I give you the, the proper due. I do appreciate you. Like I said, one more text. Uh, we'll take this one from Raider fan Jay Will in San Diego. He says, Q, what would a Raider championship mean to me? I was four years old when the Raiders last won, and needless to say, I was not old enough to understand and enjoy it. Being from L.A., I witnessed the Dodgers win a few and my Lakers win many, many championships. Even the Kings won a couple, but I was way away in the Navy and couldn't tell you one player on the team. Oh, and the Sparks. During my time in the Navy, I met some obnoxious fans of other teams and had to take years of abuse. When the Raiders win a Super Bowl, this is not a if, it's a win. I promise you, Q, I'm going to be ignorant. I'm going to lose friends, and I'll be in Vegas for the celebration. That's Raider fan Jay Will in San Diego. Thanks so much. And, yeah, that's similar to me, man. When the Raiders won the Super Bowl, I was literally seven. 
right? And so I, I would be lying to you if I told you I was fully invested and I was so fired up and I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was such a celebration. Like I, that would all be lies. And I respect you and everyone else way too much to do something like that. So I wasn't invested either. I was talking about it on my radio show the other day. The Raiders were to win the Super Bowl and there was a celebration in Vegas. It would be bananas. And I don't know how I'd feel. I don't know how I'd react because I try to keep everything as professional as possible. Some people like that. Some people don't. Whatever. It is what it is. But I try to keep it as professional as possible. Try to keep it right down the middle. Tell both sides of the story. Right? And, and not fan out in and, and, and silver and black glasses and, you know, all that stuff and rainbows and puppy dogs. I try not to do all that. But man, seeing a Super Bowl would be pretty special. And, and I compared it to when the Warriors won their first championship, one of four that they won recently. Right? That was the first one that I saw as a fan of that team. And I remember how exciting it was and how somewhat emotional it was for me. And that was when I was in Texas still. And them winning that championship, man, it felt great. I remember the A's when they won in 89, how fired up I was. I was pumped up. Ricky Henderson, my favorite athlete of all time still, right? He won. He was an MVP. Made me feel special. I was excited. Raiders haven't done it. I'd love to see the Raiders do it. I don't know how I'd act. I, I couldn't tell you. But I like how you said you'd act ignorant. Ain't nothing wrong with that, right? As long as you do it safely, <laughs> right? Vegas would be on fire, I'll tell you that. The Golden Knights, they're having their parade on Saturday. I can only imagine what a Raiders parade would be like. Raider Nation, worldwide, would, would all get to Vegas to celebrate that with the silver and black, especially because it's been so long. We'll close it out on that. Raider fan, Jay Will in San Diego, thanks so much for that. I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for the show. That's going to do it for the week. We're going to head into the weekend. Father's Day weekend. All fathers out there, have a happy Father's Day. Appreciate you. Make sure you have a good time on Sunday. Uh, I know that uh, I'm uh, anticipating having a good time. I'm anticipating having a good time when me and the family are on vacation, starting on the 20th. <laughs> right? I haven't figured out exactly what, how I'm going to navigate the show. Probably do some best ofs before I leave. Uh, but yeah, once we go on vacation on the 20th, I'm good to go. I'm excited about that. That is going to be the ultimate Father's Day gift. But uh, really, all the fathers out there and uh, all the mothers out there that had to play both roles, uh, you enjoy Father's Day as well because you've done a hell of a job, uh, you know, doing what you had to do, raising kids, going to work, doing what you do. Fathers, same thing. All the love in the world. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy yourself. So we'll be back on Monday. Uh, have a couple more shows before I go on vacation. And uh, we'll be talking about some more news and notes, whatever pops up over the weekend. We'll have more calls and texts. We'll have that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line and plenty of conversation here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Until Monday, Raider Nation, have a great weekend. Have a great Father's Day. And as always, just win, baby.